You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Welcome to the Bride Chiller Podcast. Alicia is my name and podcasting is my game. Oh gosh, I just came up with that on the spot. I'm just a copywriting genius. Uh, today's episode, I'm welcoming back a lovely friend of myself personally and the podcast. You may remember her from previous episodes and if I did my research, I'd remember which one. Maybe she will be able to tell you many a episode. Kristen Rocco is the creator, the founder of Love Notary. Welcome back to the show. Yay! Hey, Alicia. It's so good to be here again. Oh, I love your creative copywriting. <laughs> I mean, you're so I, good off the top of your head. Well, I'm just riffing. I'm basically, you know, jamming along. Oh gosh, that's terrible. Um, it's so great to have you back and, uh, just to be able to talk with you because I miss you. I miss you too. That river, that river. No, I was going to say that pond that separates us is too far. We have to get together in person. I hope soon. I hope so too. It is a big pond, the big Atlantic pond. <laughs> Um, yes. Now, people may have heard uh, us on numerous episodes of the show. Let's remind people, before we start talking about what we're going to talk about today, let's remind people what you do and to why we talk to each other. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, so I'm the founder of Love Notary, and Love Notary was a concept I came up with a couple years ago um, when I saw that the wedding planning process was impersonal. And actually, I think that's kind of how we connected in the first place because, yeah. you know, we really wanted to make the wedding more about the engaged couple and help them through um, the wedding planning journey and also invest in their relationship along the way. And I found that I could use my writing and storytelling skills to write love stories. So that was my first offering under Love Notary. I wrote love stories for couples all across the world. I've probably done close to a hundred or more now. And it's been a really fun journey and I've been loving getting to hear what brings people together and really help them bring their love story into their wedding day to share with their guests and also to be able to reference it on anniversaries and as you know to like share with their children one day. So that was my first love notary product and then um, I also have how to write personal wedding vows that wow and I coach people how to write their own wedding vows. So I, I that is it. kind of a little bit about where I've been with love notary and I know <laughs> we're going to talk about my next thing. So <laughs> I love that you've got the next thing and I will say that we've had so much great feedback over and I'm going to say over the years because it has been over the years now that we've known each other and it's so good to see that so many bride chillers have worked with you on their love stories and also have taken you up on your amazing vows wedding course because I think that so many times you get to the end stage of wedding planning you're like oh my god I forgot to write the vows this is really yes. panicky people freak out yes exactly like the last minute thing which shouldn't be a last minute decision or a last minute uh, to do, but it often is. There's just so much in the wedding planning process, so it kind of falls low on the list. But yeah. that's why I'm here. I don't want people to get stuck um, and you know overthink it so that they can't move forward. And this my um, my workbook and guide really helps people from start to finish through the entire writing process. Well, we've got so we will talk about that as well. But today's episode, I suppose, is a little bit of a pivot from what we have talked <sighs> about in the past. And I think it's mm -hmm. such uh, when you wrote to me and said, "Let's talk about this," I was like, "Yes, 
This is great because I do think that there is a lot of avoidance of conversations about actual marriage and Mm -hmm. relationships. And in the wedding industry, everyone's excited about planning a party and all of the, the two, the, you know, the things that we, the details that you're doing. And then wedding finishes and then you're just like together. And, uh, a lot and of, now what? a lot of the time, <laughs> yeah, we're there, we're there, we're doing yes. it. And a lot of the time you're like, all right, what do we do now? So yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Cause especially like when you're in the wedding planning, um, let's call it a year, however long you're wedding planning, there's so much to do. Mm. And then all of a sudden the wedding happens and it's like, okay, now what? And you have to sort of figure <laughs> out this marriage and that's a whole new journey that really, uh, you kind of flounder your way through for the first couple of years because you didn't you, you didn't really spend time investing in it when you were wedding planning. And it's hard because I think that you there's and this is like making huge assumptions about everyone listening and but I'll I'll wear it as well that you go oh we're getting married now everything's great so we should just we've made that decision that's it's all done. <laughs> yes, and you know I mean. As the, the research that I've done shows that I believe the stat is like um, in the first up to the first three years, that's where you're you're actually most likely to have conflict, um, and that that conflict that actually causes like really big problems in your relationship. So those like early years of marriage are absolutely critical to being happy and successful for the long term. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the marriage mindset because this is this is your next project that you've well, this is what you've been working on for a little bit of time now. Yeah. What is it? And then let's go into some of these uh, concepts that we can share with bride chillers and groom chillers about well, really just making sure that they're not adding extra toxicity to their current relationship. Exactly. Um, so the marriage mindset was created because exactly what we just talked about. You know, I've I've been in the wedding industry now for a few years, and notice all these couples, you know, so excited about wedding planning and investing so much energy in the wedding planning process. And I thought, you know, that wow, you know, just there's nothing really out there to serve married couples in their early years. Um, and you know, just like you practice any sport to get good at that sport, um, or you practice cooking to become a chef or to get great at cooking. Um, marriage is a little bit like a muscle where you have to practice things like communication and teamwork and, you know, money management. I know you've done some episodes in the past about, you know, finances and how do you manage that jointly? Um, those aren't things that come natural um, and they have to be worked on and you have to fall into a cadence with your partner in order to sort of set the path forward for smooth sailing. So when I realized that there wasn't really anything out there to coach newlywed couples to um, to getting a better footing in their first few years of marriage, I called up my friend and um, financial therapist and also couples therapist, Kenei Quarter. And, you know, we talked about it and we decided to partner up and collaborate on the marriage mindset. It's so. a great, it's a really great transition. And, and I mean, off mic, we were talking um, a little bit about what we're going to do in the future and how we evolve our personal brands and what we're doing with our businesses. Because, uh, mm-hmm. cause, you know, we, we, we have spent, we, over, over a couple of uh, years, we would meet every 
was it every two weeks or every month? Every couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. I think it was every two weeks. Yeah. We do a, a mastermind with our, uh, our friend Christina and we talk about our businesses. And I think that, that, you know, it's really great to see this sort of evolution of what you're doing. Um, when you were talking then, it reminded me of a conversation that Rich and I had recently. We were sitting in a cafe and I think everyone's experienced that moment where you're near another couple who just don't talk and just stare at each yeah. other and you're like, what the fuck's going on there? <laughs> and yeah, you know, sometimes they're an older couple and, and you can either take it from, mm-hmm. you know, you start to make up these, these, these ideas of what they're like mm-hmm. and going, do they fucking hate each other? Do they just have nothing left to talk about? Maybe they like being in silence. Like there are so many different stories that you could make up about people sitting in silence. But then I suppose we were saying, well, you know, maybe they've just gotten to the point where they don't like each other. They don't have anything to say to each other, but they don't know what Mm. to do or it's all ending or maybe they just want some peace and quiet. But when you, when you started to talk about marriage mindset, I was thinking about those people and about how we can all be in love and it can all be great now, but how you just maintain, as you said, like a, like going to the gym, keeping your muscles nice and lean, keeping them working, that, that it is, it is work. It's not bad work, but it's work. Yeah, exactly. And in particular to that point in your early marriage, like after you, after you get married, there's going to be a lot of stressful situations that happen. If you think about, okay, you're going to be merging finances potentially for the first time, likely for the first time. If you're deciding to do that, Mm -hmm. you may be buying a new house together. You might be moving, you might be starting a new job or your, you know, partner may be starting a new job. Um, you might be, you know, you might be ha- trying to have a baby. I mean, there's a lot of stress that comes in those fir- first few years of marriage. And it's so important to be on the same page. So actually, that's why we call it the marriage mindset, how to become a unified team in life, love and money. Um, because we really feel like those are the important, like, becoming that unified team is what it's really all about. And how do you do that? Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, I know today we're going to go through some of the steps of, mm-hmm. um, well, just things we can, I suppose, look out for and also mm-hmm. shift our mindset in, in how we talk to each other and how we uh, interact and also planning for the future together. So should we go through the list? I know you've got, you've got four big sort of steps that we can look at. Should we start off and, and just go for it? Yes. So when I started, um, tackling this big topic of um, the marriage mindset and how to really guide people and do the right steps. I did a lot of research and there's this foremost expert called, his name is Dr. John Gottman. He's of the Gottman, Gottman Institute. He's been a marriage researcher and a therapist for like 40 years. So he's like the guy that yeah. teaches that, yeah, that really knows his stuff when it comes to marriage. Um, and so he says that there are four toxic relationship behaviors that if you fall into a pattern of displaying these four toxic relationship behaviors over time, you have a 90% chance of divorce or they predict divorce 90% of the time. So, yeah. So the, and you know, as I was learning more about each of these, the sad fact is even when we we have a great relationship, we still fall into these, we can still fall into these patterns. Um, so I think it's really important to know what they are so that you have an awareness. So when it comes up, you can actively make a choice to not do that or to, you know, fix your behavior. If you don't know it at all, if you're just, you know, you're just doing this, 
because it's your natural reaction and you have no idea that it could cause some major problems, then that's when you can fall in the trap of having this really affect your relationship. So I really think awareness is key here too. Mm, I couldn't agree more. So the first one is criticism. So, so <laughs> I, yeah, I think we can all think of a time where a we've either felt we've um, felt criticized or we have you know criticized somebody else, our partner mainly, um, and it's really. Um, it's different from a complaint. So it is okay to, you know, make a complaint to your partner. Um, but where, when criticism comes into play, it's really about you attacking their personality or their character. So it goes beyond a specific issue. Um, and I think that what happens when you are criticized or you do the criticizing, the person ends up feeling defensive and small and like it undermines our confidence. Um, so that can really, that can really have a negative impact if this, if this is kind of the banter in your relationship, right? Let me ask you a personal question then about, mm-hmm. about, cause I think criticism, I feel like sometimes I'm a bit of a people pleaser and sometimes mm-hmm. if I, like with Rich, I will dance around how I really feel like, oh, I think he could, he could have done this a little bit better. But sometimes mm-hmm. if I, it's better to just say it rather than, you know, jazz it up a little bit. Yeah. How do you? Yeah, and I think I think I think the way to kind of um, make it like a complaint versus you know versus the criticism we're talking about is just to frame it in the I feel context versus the you never you always like that is about mm. blaming the other person and so when you can you know talk about it from your point of view like oh you know I feel like I don't know let's take a situation about the dishes in the sink or something you know you know, you can say, I've, you know, I've really spent all day at work. It's been a long day. Do you mind helping me with the dishes or something that you give your partner the opportunity to kind of step up to the plate versus say, you never do the dishes after dinner. I'm at work all day. Look, it's changing the way that we converse in a way that's more positive, a little bit more optimistic, but then also still saying, just do the fucking dishes, please. (laughs) Please help me out. Yes. Yes. With the fucking dishes. Because I think, you know, at the end of the day, and we'll, we, when, and we're going to talk about defensiveness later, but when we are criticize somebody else, they immediately get defensive. Yeah. And that just sparks another argument that was never about the dishes in the sink, right? Yeah. And so that's how the argument continues and continues and never really dies. And that's where you see people kind of come back to the same thing time and time again because they never really put an end to it. So, um, so yeah, I think just being reframing how you talk to your partner from an I perspective versus the you perspective without trying, you know, trying not to make them feel defensive. I think anyone that's watched any Real Housewives of anything will know <laughs> that the key to the Real Housewives is them not doing what we've just spoken about. That's correct. And it's always remembering, <laughs> always having the receipts, and uh, always bringing it up at the reunion and never letting anyone forget. I'm always so flabbergasted about that. I just I cannot yeah. understand how these people are still friends. I don't, I don't even know if they're friends. I think it might be all put on because I could never have friends like that if that's happened to me time and time again. I think uh, Andy Cohen keeps them all together. Let's yeah, just exactly. Say that. <laughs> and I love hurting. him for it. <laughs> 
Uh, I just wanted to end about criticism that the end result of criticism, if it's a pattern, the two partners could become emotionally distant or, you know, one person could become emotional. The person who's being, you know, criticized could become emotionally distant because think about it. If you're always being criticized, you're not going to want to keep coming back to your partner for more. Mm -hmm. You're going to just, you know, shut off um, and try to just, um, you know, do do anything that you can to keep that behavior away and and you're not going to really be able to connect on with your partner on that same level i'm really happy you said that in the sense that i think a lot of people go everything's fine my relationship's fine and -hmm. then it's we've had a couple of friends now you know rich and i have hit we're in our late 30s everyone and we've had a couple of friends hit divorce and Mm -hmm. that's been really sad and genuinely uh, you know, surprising for a couple, a couple of our friends, but also some that we were, you know, who have been having trouble over the years and you're like, actually, maybe it's a better path for them to take. Mm-hmm. And talking to them and also, you know, everyone talks, I suppose, and just sort of de- doing a little bit of a debrief about someone else's relationship. But then you go, mm-hmm. actually, which we've all done, not necessarily right, but it happens. But the idea that it things started to take a bit of a decline and saying, oh, I should have seen that. And of course, you can't beat yourself up over things changing and people change and circumstances change. But also, one of my girlfriends had said, oh, you know, I should have, should have, could have, would have, of course, but I should have said to him years ago that this was, you know, he, the actions he, he was saying and making me not feel great. I should mm-hmm. have said to him years ago that this is something that I, I feel like should change. But she, couldn't see couldn't see the way to do it and mm-hmm. not to say that would have changed her marriage and it might not have fixed everything but I think it was great to talk to her and really hear that honesty and say that actually there is a path that potentially if they'd gone to counseling but also changed the mm-hmm. way that they spoke to each other because after a while it just chipped away at them so much that they had nothing left to give I suppose yeah I think so much about marriage is knowing when you have a problem and addressing it head on versus slipping it under the rug and, and real, but, and, and before that, it's really being active about how you want your marriage to be like, it's kind of, I've, I've talked about this in the past a little bit, but creating a marriage mis- mission or, mm. you know, a purpose statement for your marriage that is a little bit like a guiding principle, um, to, that shows like why, your what what you believe about marriage and where you want to go together and I think when you continue to stay on the same page or at least if you if you verge off that page then you guys can have a conversation about it easier because you've kind of talked about it already I think that's so much of it do you think in your marriage not we don't have to go too personal here but do you you've been together for a little while Mm -hmm. do you see that you're following a path that you thought you'd be following five years ago it's interesting that you bring that up um, and complete vulnerability right now. Like marriage isn't easy and I've been married five years and fortunately um, Greg and I have always had a really wonderful um, emotional connection and communication style. And so we've been able to course correct and just be like, Hey, that I I'm, I'm the type of person that says everything. So I'm like, Oh, that didn't, that comment didn't feel good to me today, Greg. <laughs> um <laughs> But, you know, I've, I've noticed that we've, it started to fall into a bantering pattern where, you know, I'll say something and then he'll explain why he did it that way. And it just is like 
unnecessary banter back and forth. Mm -hmm. And the other night I um, came to him and I said, you know, I'm starting to notice that our communication is, is getting, it feels a little off to me. I think we really have to um, work on this and, and note, first of all, notice it, that it is happening and that we need to kind of get it back on track and, 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 you know, cause it all comes down to respect at the end of the day was, which is actually my next point here. Um, but when you have that mutual respect for each other, then your relationship is really set up for success. It's when the respect starts to kind of wane that you might, you know, you might not care enough about, you know, care about what you can do to make your marriage work. So I don't know if I answered your question, Alicia, but... No, you did. You did really well. And, and, and you know, I think you, we all have to acknowledge that you go through patches. Like, life is... We all mm -hmm. have differences in our careers, our emotions, our health, and being a part of a partnership is that you must acknowledge that, you know, this stuff happens. And that's weathering storms. And I'm not saying all storms end well, but, you know, weathering these sort of seasons of life is... is, is is what we're committing to doing. Yeah. And I think what I didn't know, like I know now five years, you know, being married, um, and you know, I'm 35 as well. So I got married when I was 29. So my life perspective was a little different at that yeah. point too. But, um, what I didn't know then was how much people's prior experience, um, was a little bit of baggage that, that they bring into the relationship. And I bring my prior experience and my ways of doing things. And Greg brings his experience and his way of doing things. And like, what's great and why we decided to get married is because there's a lot of similarities there, but there's also a lot of differences there. And so how do you make those differences work in a way that's compatible for the relationship? And what, tell me, okay, let's move into the next step because yeah. uh, I think we've got lots to cover yeah. here. Tell me a little bit about, you said the respect thing. Let's, let's talk about yes. that. Yeah. The so, respect thing. Do you like how I just said, <laughs> and you talked about this respect thing. What's this respect, the respect thing? thing? <laughs> so the antithesis of respect is contempt. And Dr. Mm. Um, Gottman calls contempt the kiss of death. And, um, it, and he says it's the worst of the four relationship killers. Um, because this is when somebody in the relationship feels that they're more superior than the other person, like I'm too good for you. And this can play out not, not in the, I'm overall, my being is too good for you, but it can play out in like, um, different ways. Like from a, um, I know Kane, my collaboration partner on the marriage mindset talked about this and it kind of always stuck with me, but like if somebody went to, um, college for finance and they were the ones who wanted to own the budget and the way that they said that to their partner was well I went to um, I got my degree in finance so it's obvious I should own the budget you're not good at this mm. so do you see how that's like a particular issue but mm -hmm. the person is still putting themselves ahead of you because of this so-called degree they have um, that, you know, that type of stuff that plays out over time is, um, a lack of respect and, um, and that's why, you know, he says it's the kiss of death that, that this could really become a problem, um, for the relationship because, you know, it demeans and it disrespects the person. So, 
Yeah, so it's just this is one of the most negative things that could happen. It's almost like the end of the rope. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be. It can play a piece to it, but it really it, it's just when all respect in the relationship is gone or or that I guess on, on specific issues, you just don't respect your partner for that particular thing. Mm. And that's something that you can work through. I mean, I think, you know, mm-hmm. respect, what's the saying? Oh, I'm going to forget it now. But, you know, it's an earned thing and it's like trust is an earned thing. And throughout mm-hmm. relationships, I suppose we just need to be able to, well, come to that level where we, we get it and we, mm-hmm. we give the respect and we take the respect as well, I suppose. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that a lot. Um, I think that you can work through these issues, but again, like going back to what I initially said, like you just have to be aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's so many times where we could all be victim or, you know, or we could all be doing these things and like not know that it, oh, that's contempt or, oh, I'm criticizing or, oh, I'm being defensive right? Like you might not ever understand the impact of that unless you create the awareness about what that could potentially mean for your relationship. Mm. It's very helpful. Um, it's very helpful. Listen, I was like some sort of TV presenter. And thank you. That's very helpful. <laughs> this is the Bride Chiller podcast. We're talking about really the keeping your marriage strong before it's even started. And I'm sure a lot of you are in serious relationships because you're getting hitched. I hope that's the case. Uh, and you are working towards a really strong and happy marriage, a future together. Uh, Kristen Rocco is from lovenotary.com. She has the marriage mindset course that is out now. And after the break, we're going to go through the other final points of keeping your shit together and being happy. How about that? <laughs> More after this. Welcome back to the Bride Chiller podcast. Now, look, what are we doing? We're up to the point three. What's the mm-hmm. next phase stage that we can hopefully turn around for a positive? Yeah. And this one is interesting. It's defensiveness. Mm. So <laughs> defensiveness comes... Um, no, I'm not. I'm not defensive. I'm not. Exactly. Exactly. What are you it comes as a result of a criticism. So it's interesting because you often think, oh, I'm just standing up for myself. <laughs> um, but the problem with defensiveness is that it, it can have a negative impact because it's perceived as like blaming the other person versus accepting responsibility for your part of the conflict. So if you're being defensive 100% of the time or whatever percent of the time, you are not actually listening to your partner's complaint and and seeing how you fit into their their that perception that they might have, right? So if every time you you know Rich confronted you, Alicia, about um, doing the dishes after work, and you know you never you know or whatever something, but you never do the dishes after work, and I'm so tired and. And then you could say, well, I've been at work all day and, you know, I just don't have time for the dishes. And then, you know, and then they can just kind of spiral out of control rather than you just saying, you know, you're right. I need to take a more active role in doing the dishes. I'm going to work on that. Yeah. So you see how that kind of cuts it off and you've accepted responsibility that they feel the way they do. And it's kind of like you're coming in as a partner versus I'm not going to have any part of that. I don't accept what you're saying to me right now. I'm This isn't happening in our relationship, and I don't even know why you're thinking about it. 
do you think with arguments and defensiveness, and I'm just riffing here, so this could go nowhere, but looking at the, the exercise metaphor that you've got to work out and you've got to keep it all going, that sometimes we get in such a, a rut and we get into such a habit with the same fights, whether it be about money or yeah. paper, bloody life admin or whatever, and keeping the house tidy and, or you're home too late or you're spending too much time with this person, or whatever the fight is or whatever the issue is, that we get so attuned to what the other person is going to say and react to mm-hmm. and say that we also get defensive and we're used to going through the motions and it's sort of a cyclic thing that you can get into and until someone breaks the cycle it's it's very repetitive and also you start to tune in and you know that that's how they're going to react so you you get your reaction ready and it's just oh yeah speaking dead air yeah it's a vicious cycle for sure mm. um and I think, yeah, when you know that's happening, it's time to kind of put put a stop to it and say, you know, something's got to give here. We can't keep going in this cycle. Um, otherwise, you know, we're not going to like the outcome or we're not, you know, not even we're not going to like the outcome, but we're not going to be the best couple we can be. And we want to be happy every day. We don't want to be in this constant cycle of feeling like, you know, I, I know what you, how you're going to react, you know how I'm going to react, so it causes us to react before we even have a discussion in the first place, right? Yeah, you get pre, you get all pre-G'd up for it, and you're like, all yes. right, here we go, <laughs> all right, all right, I'm ready, I know what you're going to say. Ugh. Exactly. Yeah, we've yeah. all been no, there. And that, that's a big problem. I, see. I think that happens in almost every relationship, I'd be willing to bet. The next topic is stonewalling, and I think this one is so interesting. So stonewalling is getting in an argument, and instead of wanting to stay in the argument, you shut down. You either, you know, this can come out like you leave the room, you you say, get out of my face, that's enough, just leave me alone, but you just really, like, shut down the conversation and refuse to hear what your partner has to say, mm. and so this is like a blatant disregard for the issue. And and that's really bad for the relationship because you can't work through anything with your partner if you can't have a conversation with your partner, right? So I would say that st- stonewalling is just one of those things that we do, again, as a defense mechanism, but it's, again, one of those things that's not helpful to the relationship. I think sometimes you get to the stage where, uh, you know, I'm a talker. I like to be getting it getting it sorted, getting it done. And I know that that's not everyone's cup of tea. And this is not even just like in love relationships is at work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also one of those people that's a bit hypersensitive, I think. And I go, are you okay? What's going on with you? And then some people are like, I just don't talk about it. Forget it. But you know, you can sort of feel that there's something going down. And I, I, I know we all are different beasts. We're all different humans and we all have different ways of reacting to things. But I find it particularly prickly when you know that there's something going down and someone doesn't want to talk about it. And I get it. I get that, you know, you've got to work at different paces. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, oh, my God, if we could just talk about it and get out of the open, we'd fix it really quickly and it'll be done and we can go back to our lives. Yeah. I, you know, I, what's interesting when I was doing this research about stonewalling and, like, why people stonewall and, like, how in what situations does stonewalling happen the most, I learned about this concept called perpetual conflict. And perpetual conflict is when you either have a fundamental difference in your personalities or you have a fundamental difference in your lifestyle needs. So let's say that I want to move into the city center of Atlanta Mm -hmm. and my husband hates the city and he wants to live in the suburbs or the country, right? Well, it's 
the perpetual conflict exists because I'm not changing my viewpoint that I love the city and I want to live in the city. Yeah. And he's not changing his viewpoint on that either. So there's really the path to coming to compromise and stuff like that is really difficult. And so it's just easier to say, shut, just shut it down and just not to take part in the, the issue. And then, you know, it can really rear its ugly head and just it'd be one of those things that like lingers in your relationship because you can't, you, you're not even open to discussing and being able to compromise around it. Mm. It's a big change and it's a big shift to have to make, I think. Yeah. And can you imagine, I mean, this happened, well, I just, I'm thinking back to a specific time in, in our relationship where we lived in New York City and we kind of came to the point where we were ready for the next step. Um, and Greg was getting really tired of the small spaces in New York City. Like our apartment is <laughs> 600 square feet. He wanted to move back to Atlanta, um, or he could see moving back to Atlanta like faster than I could see it. And, you know, I think like had I not comp- – and I'm not patting myself on the back here. I'm just sharing this example. Like had I not compromised, and what ultimately how we compromised on it was – I said, okay, I'm open to moving back to Atlanta sooner than, you know, I would have normally liked to move move back. But what if when we move back to Atlanta and start instead of starting a full time job right away, I got Love Notary off the ground? Mm. And he was like, okay, that sounds like a good plan. Let's do that. And so we were able to find a happy medium within, you know, even though it wasn't perfect for me. It, and it was going to be, you know, a more ideal like scenario for Greg, but you know, we wouldn't have the income that I could have been bringing in. So it was definitely a compromise on both of our parts. But at the end of the day, we were both happy with the, de- the decision. What happens if you can't come to a compromise is somebody's going to feel really, you know, you're going to st- some one person who's not getting their way is going to be- build resentment, um, and we all know how resentment could play out. Yeah, and people hold on to things. I think that's a yeah. hard, a hard fact of relationships. And 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 again, going back to just going back to me, but the idea that I don't like to hold things in, and I'm I'm very you know quick to say communicative. Something. Yeah, I am very communicative. No <laughs> <Me> shit. <laughs> but I know a lot of people in my life personally. They'll they'll say yeah finally have a conversation like yeah four and a half years ago when you said this and you're like oh my god I can't even remember where I was last week let alone four and a half years ago and but it is it's just different people process things in different ways but also holding on to stuff is not healthy it is not good for you and I don't even have any qualifications to say this I just know as a person it's not great Yeah. yeah exactly exactly so those are the four um, toxic relationship behaviors, and let me just recap them. So we've yeah, got we've got criticism, we've got contempt, then defensiveness, and finally stonewalling. Um, and I hope this has been really helpful um, to all the bright chillers out there and how you think about your um, your marriage and and how you can set yourself up, self up for you know success. Um, from a really, really early stage in your marriage, and you think about these things before they get it gets too late, or you know, it, before you really um, are going through a really rough patch because you didn't address it soon enough. So, yeah. So I just hope that it helps everybody kind of take a different perspective. I know wedding planning is such a happy time, and this is a little bit of a 
a blues topic, but I really think, you know, we're not just here for the one day. We're really here for a happy marriage. So I think this could be something that's helpful. Oh, I'm so happy that you said that and you wrote and said, let's talk about this because I do think this podcast is about more than just aesthetics and all the ins and outs of planning. It's really about being, it's about being better people. I don't know. I've said that in American accent, but it's about, you know, bettering yourself. And then also that means that you're going to be stronger in a partnership. And I'm all for self-improvement and also being able to see your own faults and then also little hiccups along the way in your relationship if you can't sort of sort your own shit out it's really hard to do it when you're in a partnership as well so totally yeah I think it's about being mindful and also being aware and as I said at the top of the show this isn't about being Debbie Downer or being doom and gloom if there are realities of life that just cause us to take pause and go actually if like talking about my divorced friend saying yeah if they had had that shift maybe things would be different maybe they wouldn't and that's totally cool but you if you put the effort in at least you know you've put the effort in and you've made a change exactly yeah that's exactly right you don't want to look back at at anything and have regrets you want to know you did everything you could to set yourself up for success so totally and it's teamwork it's all about teamwork and as mm-hmm. you said compromise and making sure that that you're listening to each other and being heard it's really it's so much of the whole ethos of bride chiller throughout the whole thing is just about communication the end um- absolutely (laughs) this has been so fun alicia it has been fabulous and i love talking with you and um i miss talking with you more often so i'm so happy that you've shared and um look where can people get in touch with you and learn about love notary and the marriage mindset and all your other amazing projects (laughs) yeah thank you the easiest way is really just to go to my my website www.lovenotary.com um, and you will find everything there. I'm also on all the social media channels at Love Notary. So, yeah, so you can find me in a lot of different places. You're a top lady. And uh, I just want to say if anyone has questions or comments or thoughts about this topic or if they've got a bride chiller question for a Q&A, then please get in touch because I love hearing from you. And, you know, I think what makes this show so successful is your honesty and authenticity and being a little bit vulnerable and some of the questions we get through are hard questions to ask and hard to sort of get to that point of going I'm going to share this on a podcast but I really appreciate it and um, I really love our community and I know that Kristen's a big part of our Facebook community and, and you see all of the discussions and the topics that 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 sort of come up and it's really yeah I wish that the bridal community was around when I was getting there <laughs> <laughs> oh man I could have gotten a lot more insight into what I was doing I had no idea oh so. well look, I, I I yeah well look we encourage you to join if you're not a member of the bridechiller community on Facebook it's our it's a Facebook group join away and also get in touch with any questions uh, thebridechiller.com is where you'll find the links to all. Uh, of the stuff and also the bride chiller guides and um, anything else I'm flogging at the moment. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, my lovely friend, for being on the show. And um, please, I hope everyone gets in touch and checks out Love Notary. Kristen, happy days. Happy days. <laughs> the Bride Chiller Podcast, telling chair covers to get fucked since 2014.